What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock, and today we're going to talk about the Kansas City Royals, and it's about dang time because, oh my gosh, it's Cole Reagans! Yeah, I know. I like this guy. You know this. He threw 96 innings last year, but it doesn't really matter as I say these stats. 347 ERA, 116 whip, whatever. None of that matters. And uh, it's pretty funny to me. Um, I've seen a lot of discourse about Cole Reagans. Uh, and and how, you know, I originally had him around like 20 or so, and I was obviously so in on him last year, all that kind of stuff. Um, there are a lot of different takes you can have on Cole Reagans, and none of it is necessarily wrong, because this is the hardest thing I think that we do. Say for really predicting volume next year, which I think is the number one hard, difficult thing for us to do. Um, it's understanding how do we take a small sample of a second half and actually apply it. And there's so many reasons for uh, second halves to be misleading and not correct, uh, from easy schedules to just being in rhythm for a moment, overlooking all the faults they had beforehand that would easily appear again, uh, velocity that's fading, uh, so on and so forth, team context, etc. So when it comes to Cole Reagans, I'm just going to do this differently. I'm going to really talk about all the negatives about him and give them to you, and you can kind of make your decision on what to do. From a skills standpoint, you can look back and say, this guy just got lucky, he uh, was in that groove, and all of that. Well, if you don't know the the whole story of Cole Reagans, simply put, uh, high draft pick, got Tommy John, and then before he was able to actually probably rehab from it, got messed up, and got Tommy John again. That is his injury history. Um, That, to me, is not this... I think I saw somewhere that they were saying Cole Reagans is the most fragile, like, obvious thing of velocity changes and stuff like that that showcases that he's clearly not going to be going long next year. I don't agree with that statement. Um, I mean, mean, I'm I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone that acknowledges the 1.5 Tommy John and not really that it's two. It's really, it's not two. It's really one. He just had to do it again, which sucks Um, uh, (laughs) because he screwed up the first time. Um, And the velocity jumps and the inconsistencies, quote unquote, from it, I don't really agree with because uh, as he was going, he was, he ramped up a lot and he was able to actually get into a feel of it. And his velocity jump came from his work with Tread Athletics, and it's nothing to do with the Royals. Very quickly, worked with them in the summer of, or sorry, offseason of last year. was throwing like 92 this time last year, or really like around October last year. Worked with Tread Athletics. There's a massive article on it from Eno Saris and The Athletic. Definitely read that. Talks about all the different training that they did. And uh, then when we saw him with the Royal, sorry, with the Rangers, he was throwing 96 already in April. And then when he got, went to the Royals, uh, he was sent to the minors beforehand, and that's actually where he learned how to throw a slider. He talked with Tred saying, look, I don't have anything good against a lefty, so I learned a slider, and he learned a slider, and then bam, he has that, and all of a sudden, he's getting these starts and getting to a rhythm, and he's able to develop some velocity. He has a little bit of extra adrenaline, and there you go. That's why he's able to sit 96 all of a sudden. That's why it's, I mean, you can even say it sometimes, he was throwing 97, and I don't really see that as like, oh, he's throwing too hard too quickly, like this is now an injury risk with two Tommy Johns or something like that. I just, I don't know. I feel like that's not really taking the nuance into question. But yeah, sure, there is a slightly higher uh, injury risk, you could say, with Cole Reagans. At the same time, 15 out of the top 31 starters last year failed to make 25 starts. I'm not kidding. Of the 31 and ADP of starters, 15 of them failed to make 25 starts. So 
I don't know. I mean, is are, is Cole Reagan so much more of a likelihood then? So I'm going to say like, okay, let's just say it's 150 innings. We're not going to say it's 180, it's 150. Fine. What about how he performed? Is he going to be able to replicate that sub-3 ERA 110 whip? He had a high walk rate. It was a 10.5% for the year. It was close to like 9-10% um, in those starts. Is he going to be able to replicate that in the low hit per nine under seven? So yes and no. On one side of it, this was a guy who, if you watched him, I mean, it's why I really liked him so much. He commanded and utilized his pitches so well. It wasn't perfect. However, he nibbled properly and it was so good and he has so many weapons. It's a 95, no, sorry, 96 plus four-seamer. It is a cutter that goes inside to righties. It is a gyro slider that goes underneath righties. It is a curveball for strikes. It is a gorgeous changeup that misses all the bats that he confidently throws in three two counts. Uh, the ICR in that changeup last year at 24% usage was 28%. 28% ICR. That's so good. 19% swing strike rate. That's incredible. Um, super high strike rate as well, which is shocking. 26% swing strike rate across 10% usage. And that's only as a starter because he only learned that as a starter, right? When he was in the minors. Uh, and it's, the usage is higher than 10% if you see the overall because he wasn't throwing it until he became a starter. There's so many good things about Reagans with this. And when it comes to the results, for the most part, he deserved them. It's also a pretty good park. I would say the uh, the offense is going to get a little bit better. So the wins you're worried about, well, if Reagans is starting six innings, like the Royals are going to win some games. Like he's going to get probably 10 wins. You know, something like that. That's not, it's not like he's going to get five. Okay. And then the defense, I let him down last year. Overall, the Royals ranked highly. But if you watch those games, like he did not get the benefit of the doubt. Um, the negatives, though, and why I understand not being in on Reagans. Again, it's a small sample. I don't know if that rhythm will return. I don't know if the same velocity will return. It's an adrenaline thing. And over a smaller sample, finally gained this opportunity. He took it and ran with it. There's also the fact of, yeah, he did have the higher walk rate. Sure, there were some games like he walked three batters in a row and they should have taken him out after the first one and they kept him in and the one against the Astros. And that's a thing that you could say, okay, well, they're not going to do that. Well, maybe they will. The Royals, I don't think are the best development and management ever. I'm so sorry, Kansas City, but you should have pulled him and you pushed him too much. But maybe Reagan's gets better at that with more time. Um, but that's still a situation. And the Royals as a crew themselves are not going to help Reagan's, but Tread Athletic certainly is, so I'm not really too worried about that. And the other real concern uh, is is that walk rate, that that um, that towing the line, that nibbling, going to be okay again, right? And my gut says yes. I, I just see enough weapons here and enough strikes. It's not like Blake Snell where all the secondaries are just like 50% strike rates. Slider at 71%. The only one that is under 60% is a curveball at 58%. So with those higher strike rates, and I think it's fine that he nibbles, and it's why the hyper 9 is lower. It truly makes sense to me that he's making fewer mistakes over the plate, where in hitters counts, he isn't making those mistakes over the plate. Now you can make those mistakes over the plate in more, in different kinds of counts, but generally in hitter ones, uh, not great. Like, you can make those hitter, those mistakes more so in earlier in counts, and then once you get to late, so like two strikes where they're super defensive, it's going to hurt you more when it's also like a 2-0 count, it's going to hurt you more, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, so I'm in on Reagans for the most part. I see that NFBC has him around 30 ADP at the moment for among starting pitchers. I think I'm going to have him closer to 2025. It's tough because I understand the floor is easier here, and I've really 
preached, hey, do not go out of your way to get ceiling because you're better off just nailing a floor that is beneficial for you. And understandably so, the floor is worse, I think, with Reagan's and is probably with Zach Eflin. Um, that's the thing that I'm really trying to wrestle here. At the same time, I, I can see Reagan's being like a top 10 stud. <laughs> I mean, that's what the ceiling is you're going for with it. And that's pretty dang cool. So at least as far as like strikeouts go, he could be the 30% strikeout guy. I actually believe that one. Um, so that's really fun. And uh, good luck in your drafts with Cole Reagan's. I just wanted to be clear that I'm not going to go and be and do unwise things going over backwards to get Cole Reagan's, ignoring all the risk. Like, it's there. And team construction is incredibly important. That's enough about Reagan's. But honestly, like, there are some other guys to talk about. I mean, they got Waka and they got Logo and Singer um, and whoever the number five is going to be. I know it's Jordan Lyles, but like, come on. Uh, we're going to talk about all of those guys after this break. So there's going to be some moment, I think, in this preseason where people are going to say, well, the real sleepers this year are Michael Waka and Seth Lugo. And yes and no. Um, they're coming from San Diego. You got to understand that San Diego's defense was really good last year. And that certainly helped both of these guys with their hit per nines under uh, eight for Waka and under nine for Lugo. Maybe that does improve. Um, but there's two ways to look at this. One, Michael Waka's command is, I think, above average. That's why he has a 322 ERA, I think, in the 116 whip. His changeup is elite, and he threw about 35% of the time, and super good ICR, and you just watch this thing, and it's just beautiful. I don't like much else of what he does, but I think that Michael Walker should be fine. Like, he's a 15-teamer get to me, where I don't think you're going to see, like, a 4.5 ERA and a 140 whip or something with a 17% K rate out of nowhere. I actually do think... His changeup is just still so good, and that should continue to last. While it's just about finding enough strikes with everything else. The biggest issue here is he hasn't gone long in seasons. The 134 innings is kind of what you're hoping for with Waka next year. But the park will help with it. The central, I know it's a more balanced schedule, but it doesn't mean that it's completely balanced. Which means that Waka will still be a benefactor of facing the AL central. And that is a good thing. Um... 12-teamers, he's still a Toby, unfortunately. Back, back, back end. Uh, but that's it. Uh, Seth Lugo is the same way. I prefer Waka over Lugo because I think the changeup is just the best pitch of the lot. And the ICR rates, that is the contact allowed by Lugo, was really scary last year. The four-seam that comes in 32% of the time had an overall ICR of 50%. Um, and that curveball, 40% uh, across 30% usage. It's a worse defense, I believe, behind him. I think fewer wins as well. So I'm a little tepid on Seth Lugo. 15-teamers, I'm fine. I think he's a decent innings eater. I think he was undervalued kind of through the year last year. 23% carry and 6% walk rate. It was He was able to be streamed um, with the uh, the Padres. But I I just think it's two fastballs and a curveball, and there just isn't enough else from there. And that curveball isn't overwhelming enough. Like, there isn't this big, awesome uh, whiff pitch, unfortunately. So... I, I just don't really love it. Um, he's okay in 15-teamers, but that's kind of it for me. Brady Singer is a two-pitch guy with sinkers and sliders. And that slider isn't doing enough. Uh, believe it or not, 40% ICR last year, and that's a big problem. Now, righties, he can kind of take care of if he gets a sinker inside enough and doesn't really rely on it being a called strike pitch. It's a 25% overall called strike pitch for that sinker. Um but I want that to be like, when I see sinker slider, I think, okay, cool, you should demolish right-handers with 
inside sinkers and then away sliders. That's great. But what's your lefty pitch? And I still don't really know what it is for, <laughs> for Lugo. Um, so it, it's kind of wild. Um, and the change up that we've been waiting for Lugo to develop for ages is not really there. And we did see moments that the slider command was just so good last year that he was able to cruise. But yeah, this is a streaming option to me. And 15 teamers, it could work out. He should be better than a 19% carry because of that slider. But oh boy, it's just not something I really want to trust. If you notice, I'm going really quickly through the Royals because yeah, there's not much else to say. Um, Jordan Lyles, come on. 178 innings last year. 628 ERA, 124 whip. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's just wild. The four-seamer had a 98th percentile ICR at 33%, um, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me because this is just not a good pitch. To me. It, it just doesn't feel like that. And honestly, the slider was a 34%, and that makes up 55% of all of his pitches, believe it or not. The thing is, the, the curveball is not good. The changeup isn't good. The sinker really isn't that good, and... I don't know. I, I just can't really get behind this. Now, it's possible the four-seamer and slider are just enough, and he gets uh, more fortunate with the batted ball and home run rates. But uh, it, it's it's a chimney sweeper, as Kyle Bland calls it on that slider, which uh, was a 65% strike rate last year as it went upstairs a ton. And that just doesn't doesn't compute to being a consistent pitch in the same way. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe I'm being really dumb. An upstairs sweeper is a chimney sweeper to me. But I just don't think that's going to be it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the fastball just wasn't hit as much as it should have. And at the same time, like you're saying, Nick, yes, it was. It was a 6 2 8 year, right? Right, but only a 124 whip. So you know that was the home run problem. He's going to Kaufman. And I'm sure Baltimore uh, last year should have been better for him. But, yeah, just um, don't probably. I, yeah. Yeah, and by the way, I'm, I'm being dumb. It wasn't Baltimore last year with Jordan Lyles. It was Kansas City. So, should be better than what it was, the two homer per nine. I, this is just, you're not chasing enough. Like, if you're in a deep AL-only league, I get it. You will get innings and there's a chance, right, on a given night. But, oh, Desperate Sunday is the best for Jordan Lyles in your 12-teamers. And even 15-teamers, like the best two-step, you're still going to be anxious the entire way. Uh, they have four guys who are technically on the fringe here. Uh, Daniel Lynch, the fourth. Yeah, he just doesn't have a good enough um, four-seamer. He has a late extension, but the VAA and the IVB is just not good enough, and he had a sub-10% swing strike rate. Uh, the changeup can be really good if he locates it better, and the slider doesn't do enough either. And I'm still waiting for Daniel Lynch to really kind of click back in somewhere, and I, don't, I, I really want to make this clear. I do not believe in Kansas City as a whole and their development to make it happen. Uh, Alec Marsh had that amazing 11-strikeout game against the Rays, and... Uh, there's just not enough here. The slider is good as a 21% swing strike rate, but the the four-seamer is the one that actually did all the work on that day um, in that strikeout game, and it's just not good. It's fifth percentile in, in ICR to just 44%, which is so bad. Uh, oh, gosh, and he's leading the way with that heater, so that's it. That's all you get, um, and he doesn't even get enough strikes on that slider, so yeah, no thank you. Um uh, and that four-seamer maybe gets better if he actually elevates it because it has good VAA. It's just Alec Marsh, to me, needs to fix too much. And 
He's not a reliable guy. Um, Chris Bubich got Tommy John in April of last year, so we're going to see him later on, and he still was a questionable work in progress at that point. So not really going to rely on that one, but maybe when he comes back, maybe he has better velocity and change-ups to get down and all that kind of stuff. And he was closely getting there. He has a lead extension and all, but um, yeah, I just can't obviously expect that to happen. And then there's Cal Wright who came over in the Jackson Coar deal, and we all know Cal Wright with the shoulder surgery stuff. Uh, but he's going to miss all of 2024. So there you go. Maybe he's a super sleeper for 2025. But honestly, it was just a really good curveball then. And there's nothing else in shoulder injuries. And really, when it comes to prospects, there's just no one there with the Royals. It's just not something that I think, oh, hey, the Royals have this guy. That's great. No, nope, I just don't see that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. That's the Royals. It's really just Cole Reagans. And maybe Waka and Lugo a little bit. But you don't really want to do it. And I... Uh, Obviously, I spent like half of this and not more talking about Cole Rankins because I think that's a really interesting one. And I understand, like, well, it's a top 30. That's not really where you make or break a team. But kind of it is because I really want to caution everyone. There is a big feeling you have in fantasy of I don't want to be the one that misses out on this player, right? There's this FOMO and FOMO is... It ruins us in drafts. You look at the guys on the board and you go, oh, I want to be the one that gets this guy, right? And what happens is you treat the draft like that is your team for the year. And what you should be doing is you should be treating your draft by making a foundation and then really building on it in the waiver wire. That's how you win your leagues. It's not by drafting better than everyone else. Don't let those uh, those season projections of your league Oh, look, I drafted and I'm, I'm going to be projected to be second best in my league or something like that. Throw that away. So there is a feeling, trust me, for me, like I don't want to be the one without Cole Reagans. You know, someone else in my league is going to have it. I'm the guy that loved him so much. And why don't I have him when he succeeds? But maybe he doesn't. And there is a significant chance that he does. Does not come through, right? So be smart about it. Assess the, the pool of pitchers at the time that you would be considering Reagans. Look at your rotation and say, okay, do I have a path to getting a foundation that I can say like, look, it's okay if Reagans doesn't come through here. I have these other guys. If you see your draft going where pitching is getting pushed down or there are certain guys you think that would be inside your top four SP that you can actually get as your fifth. Oh man, those are the situations where I go call Reagans all day. I mean, he's around 120, 110 in NFBC, which is like 10th round at the moment. And that's 10th round. I'm, my whole draft strategy is like round six through nine, I'm getting my SPs. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, ratings is there. If I go five starters at the end and then like six to begin or something like that of hitters, I mean, obviously, that's not really what I'm going to be doing. But there will be situations where I just see too many good starters still on the board at like the 13th or 14th round when I do my mock drafts. And that will encourage me to say, yes, I will take the chance on Reagan's here. Because actually, I think there's going to be someone who I consider as my four sturdy starters at round 12 or 13, right? So that is an important understanding of do I go after Cole Reagans or not? Don't overextend. Okay, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast. Get pumped for PitchCon. The schedule is being released officially on Monday. There are two slots, really like three, that are super secret. Um, some people know about the the first one. Uh, I'm tr- really the super secret one. The second one is uh, I'm I'm really hoping that this one comes to fruition. If it doesn't have a backup for it, which is also pretty amazing, 
Uh, but yeah, that second super secret one, I'm pretty sure we can pull that off and I'm really excited about it. And the third one is, um, Alex Fast is doing something and, uh, you guys don't know what yet. So that's going to be really cool. Um, but, uh, but definitely go check that out and you'll see on Monday, the Google form to fill out, um, all the prizes that you want to be eligible to win. They are completely free. We're raising $10,000 for ALS. We hope that you donate to the cause. 100% goes to the cause. Pitch list takes $0 on it. And you can also win all of these amazing prizes. We have like 40 or something, 50. Um, you do not need to donate to be eligible to win a prize. So anyway, that is it for today. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. My name is Nick Pollock, and may your babas be low and your strikeouts high.